Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. Yeah. Don't it sound so epic? Horns are screaming, I ain't the one you want to mess with. Use a joke, I ain't the one you want to jest with. The battle's coming, you only got a few seconds to run. Yeah. Hello, Bengals fans. I am Matt Minnick from Cincy Jungle, and this is Bengals Chalk Talk today. As we prepare for the matchup against the Eagles, I am joined by Michael Kist. Michael, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Just working through some uh, some Eagles film, but you know, life could be worse. You gotta you gotta you gotta pick up a hobby this time of year if your team's not doing so good. So I've been getting some history reading in as well. But no, man, I, I'm good overall. How are you, man? I'm doing good. So so Michael covers the Eagles for SB Nation's Bleeding Green Nation. He also hosts SB Nation's NFL show, which you probably heard advertisements for on this channel. Uh, definitely check out that show. So we'll start with the elephant in the room. Looking at the Bengals' schedule, they've already lost to the Chargers and the Browns. They've got the Eagles this week, and next week they play the Jaguars. Looking at the schedule before the season started, I I really thought they had a chance in three of these four games, and and I kind of written off the Eagles' game as a as a likely loss. But now, both teams are coming into this game sitting at 0-2. So, what's up with the Eagles? Yeah, man, it's and, and the Eagles are five-point favorites in this one, which, I mean, seems like it should be an easy call for the Eagles. But like you said, when everyone looked at this early season schedule on both sides— I think a lot of people could recognize that this is probably uh, an an easy win for the Eagles. I think that's in serious doubt now, and and it, a lot of it stems from the offensive struggles that they've had, and namely the struggles with Carson Wentz. You know, I just did uh, on the BGN feed. Uh, I'll have up uh, the QB Factory where we do a performance review of Wentz every week, and normally we hit like a good ten to fifteen minutes. You know, this was good, this was bad. Uh, this week we actually sat down with the film. And we went a good 30 minutes just working through four different plays to dissect the decision-making and the mechanics for Carson Wentz. And we really found both uh, to be lacking and troublesome. And with the mechanics, it's something he can fix, but it's something that's really hard to fix in the middle of the season. And I don't see them being fixed within a week coming into this matchup. So, you know, you look at this offense, something that, that was supposed to have added weapons and, and all of a sudden they get injuries on the offensive line. And that really reared its ugly head in week one, but that sort of stabilized last week. And you look at the football outsiders DVOA and this offense is dead last in the NFL, which is something that you would not expect with a quarterback like Carson with, uh, with the talent, around him so there's a lot of unknown with this team I think what you what you kind of look forward to is the fact that every time this Eagles team and in the past couple years this has happened way too often 
But when they have their backs against the wall, they tend to rally. The Doug's message tends to get through to the team and they, and they come out on fire. Uh, if they don't in this game and, and it's close, uh, there's going to be a lot of white knuckle riding through this game for Eagles fans. And, and I do think it's closer than a lot of people uh, might think it is if they still have those preconceived notions from the offseason about this Eagles team. One of the infamous things about the Bengals in recent years is the Patriots were on the Cincinnati game. <laughs> so uh, we are definitely not on board for, for being the get-right game for the Eagles. So hopefully uh, hopefully their backs aren't quite up against the wall yet. Um, obviously, after any team goes to the Super Bowl, wins the Super Bowl, uh, people want to get paid. Uh, their their roster gets poached, their coaching staff gets poached, and the Eagles have a lot of turnover on the coaching staff, some important turnover on the coaching staff after the Super Bowl. Frank Reich, uh, in particular, was a guy that been mentioned as somebody that had a lot to do with their third down game planning. Mm-hmm. So, look, I like Peterson, but is a lot of his success – based on the kind of staff that he has been able to build? And, and you know, is that kind of running out uh, of luck in that situation? Well, I think, too, it's important to note that Peterson did pick that staff of Frank Reich, of G- John Filippo, who did a great job as the quarterback's coach and also helped with the red zone install, too. You know, you mentioned Reich on third downs. Uh, Flip had a lot of input on the red zone concepts. And they that that trio worked fantastic with Carson Wentz. And there's a big question in Philadelphia right now, since those guys were poached, like you mentioned, you know, did Carson Wentz respond to Mike Groh? And I think a lot of people said no. There was a story by uh, Joe uh, uh, Santa Liquido. We recently had him on BGN, and he was talking about his story where the players were kind of saying, it's not Groh, man, it's Wentz. Wentz kind of bullies this guy around. And now you have their, their quarterback's coach, their passing game coordinator, Press Taylor, who is a younger guy, and by all accounts, he is a uh, he's a buddy. They're, they're, they're friends, him and Wentz. And people aren't sure if that coaching is is getting through. And Doug Peterson himself is is kind of a player's coach, as they say, kind of more laid back. I still think like mentally for for Doug Peterson, he can scheme up some great game plans. Uh, I give him a lot of credit for for the Super Bowl doing what he did with Nick Foles. And and even since then, like last year, towards the end of the year with no weapons, being able to cook up some things. So I still think Doug has a lot of juice. I definitely do think that they are scrambling from the brain drain still that happened after the 2017 Super Bowl run with Rankin DiFilippo uh, leaving for for other spots. And obviously, Reich is doing a great job there in Indianapolis. So you kind of got lucky just to have him for a year before he moved on to uh, to bigger things. But yeah, I, th- I think Doug, like the shine has come off, Doug. I and there's a it seems like there's a bit of a a power struggle there with who has the bat phone to Jeffrey Laurie. You know, it, can Carson Wentz get to Laurie before you know if there's two calls on the line and it's Wentz and it's Doug, who is who is Laurie picking up the phone for? I think that what, what we're hearing right now is that it's Wentz. Um, so there there it's there's a lot to unpack there. There's a lot of unknown, but overall, I still do think that Doug is a pretty pretty good offensive mind, a pretty good game planner. And I expect him to do his part week one to week two. I thought we saw some great adjustments from Peterson. It was just the quarterback play that was lacking. So Peterson is making the right adjustments. It's on Carson Wentz to take to that coaching and put it in practice, let the offense work for him. You mentioned there there seems to be a closer connection between the quarterback and the owner than the head coach and the owner. The Eagles selected a, a quarterback 
unexpectedly high in this year's draft. <laughs> I, I mean, who who has control in that room? Uh, you know, is that something that Peterson, you know, perhaps was trying to do because he, he wasn't confident in that relationship? Or, or is ownership heavily involved in, in those types of decisions? Yeah, I really do wonder how much Doug uh, was involved with that decision because, I mean, the guy is probably one of the bigger Carson Wentz advocates in coming into the season. Like you look at it now and you're like, okay, I can maybe see why they got a backup quarterback, but I don't think anybody expected this. And I do expect Carson Wentz to kind of regress to a, a, a mean of what his average play has been over the past couple of years at the very least. The, the pick was befuddling though. It really did feel like they were trying to replicate uh, a situation where maybe Carson Wentz goes down with an injury. Like is that not the most healthiest guy for sure. And having a quarterback there that could get them through a four-game stretch and keep them at 500 uh, was something that was perhaps overly important to them and and showed a lot of lack of faith in uh, Nate Sudfeld, who had been the backup quarterback to this point. I think they also, and Press Taylor has talked a lot about, you know, a a two-quarterback offense. I don't think it's that, but I do think they want to be creative. They want to mix things up in the red zone. We saw uh, a few plays of that against the Rams last week. I just think there's a lot of different factors. And, And again, I have no idea how much input Doug had on it. I don't think he loved the pick, though, if I'm being honest with you. I don't I don't necessarily see Jalen Hurts as a fit for the you know traditional Doug Peterson offense as we know it. Press Taylor, of course, is Bengals head coach Zach Taylor's brother. In terms of the, the two-quarterback system, are they, they trying to kind of do what the, the Saints are doing and, and have another athletic guy that you can throw in there and do some creative stuff with? Yeah, for instance, like one of the things they did inside the red zone was they kind of went with like an old-school split-back backfield and Jalen Hurts was one of the backs. And what they did was they swung a guy out to the left. They swung Hurts out to the right. So it kind of gave like the impression that there was like a double screen happening and there could be possibly a double pass with Hurts. Mm-hmm. You know, you lateral back to Hurts and then he throws it. And then they just leaked out Dallas Goddard down the middle of the defense while everyone was focused with that and hit him with a little pop pass. So they are doing stuff like that where they're threatening the fact that we can throw this thing with Hertz. I expect to see more of it throughout the year. Um, the, the problem is, and a lot of people have a problem with this, is, is what value are you really getting out of, out of that? Could mm-hmm. you have done that with a former college quarterback with Greg Ward? Why did you need to bring in Jalen Hurts to do that when you're only going to maybe get, what, five, six, seven snaps a game top? So uh, I don't think it's exp- as expansive as the Taysom Hill role, but I do think they are trying to do similar things with them. Arguably the most famous play in the history of the franchise. <laughs> Sorry, Herm Edwards. Trey was Burton. a non-quarterback throwing a touchdown pass down the goal line. So, right. uh, so, so that's a good point. Yeah, you could definitely, uh, you could definitely do that with somebody else. Canva presents unexplained appearances. It was an ordinary workday until that presentation appeared out of thin air. Also, it's eerily on brand. Wait, did that agenda just write itself? Words appear, making this unexplainable case... Unexplainable? It's Canva's AI tools. I can generate slides and words in seconds. Really? The real mystery is why I'm only learning this now. Canva.com. Designed for work. As I mentioned before, the Eagles could be looking at this as a a get-right game. Uh, Like you said, their back's up against the wall a little bit. The Bengals' defensive line is a group that people really thought was going to be a strength. And adding uh, DJ Reader was their biggest free agency move 
in a long time, but it really hasn't turned out that way. Uh, the Chargers, the Browns have both been able to run all over them, and the Bengals have failed to pressure the quarterback effectively in either one of those games. Now, the Eagles have a lot of talent on their offensive line. So I guess my question to you is, is there a chance for that group to have a have a get-right game and, and to be able to uh, really step up against both the run and the pass uh, against the Eagles? Yeah, I think the offensive line looked a lot different with Lane Johnson in there in week two. You know, Carson Wentz went from being pressured about, I think, 38% of the time to only 20% of the time. Uh, against the Rams, even with uh, Aaron Aaron Donald in there wrecking shop a little bit, edge rushers for for the Rams aren't so great. Um, and then you look at the the Bengals line and and what they got going on there with Geno Atkins uh, dealing with an injury, with Mike Daniels dealing with an injury, and both of their statuses up in the air. I think you know looking at the guard position, Isaac Ciamalo for the Eagles, left guard. I think he's an underrated guy. I think he's a replacement level starter that that is underappreciated. And I thought he was having, you know, a solid last year and solid this year. He goes down. So now after the Brandon Brooks injury, you bring in, uh, you've got Nate Herbig on at right guard. You've got Matt Pryor at left guard. Herbig's been like surprisingly good for like an undrafted free agent type of guy. Pryor, people are kind of up and down on. And I'm not sure if there's anything there yet. But overall, the line did play a, a lot better, especially with lane back. And I think with the injuries along the Cincinnati front, that this team should be able to establish the run, as they say, uh, and also protect Carson Wentz a bit. I, I, I don't see them being able to really take advantage of some of the some of the injuries that have happened along that Eagles offensive line. Now, the Eagles have have brought in some you know, bigger, more inside rushers at, at times, and it doesn't seem like that's really what they want to do offensively. You know, you, you bring in a Jordan Howard. You, it doesn't seem like they really want to be that team. And, like, when you watch the Bengals on, on Thursday Night Football and you see the way the Browns decide to attack that game, I mean, do you think that even if they're having success running the ball like that, is that offensive staff, are they going to get bored with success? And uh, and look to you know do things a little bit differently, or or do you think that, that they'd stick with the game plan like that? I actually think it's interesting the way that the, the the run game is for the Eagles, right? Because they've built this super athletic line, and their offense is kind of like their their ideas are kind of tied to that. You know, they want to get guys in space. They want to get Brandon Brooks in space. They want to get Lane in space. They want to get Kelsey in space. Siomalo is a decent mover. You put in like Nate Herbig who is just like, he's built like a, like a rectangle, right? You're not running, you know, you're not pulling him out into, into space. You're not pulling Matt Pryor into space. Those, there's a downgrade there in athleticism. So what happened was uh, the Eagles started to get more towards a downfield inside running type team. You kind of alluded to the dichotomy of that with a guy like Miles Sanders, who wants to get outside all of the time. So I think if there is a struggle there, it's not necessarily that the Bengals are stonewalling them. It's is that there's a, a contradiction that exists within the framework of what the Eagles have, you know, uh, in their game plan, what they can execute and how those styles kind of marry with each other. So that's something to look for. They might have a lot of inside concepts that the Eagles want to run and Miles Sanders may get himself into some trouble wanting to bounce everything. So it's definitely something to look for with the Eagles. Now, during the Super Bowl run, the defensive line for the Eagles was incredible and also incredibly deep. 
Would you say that that is still uh, the strength of this defensive unit? Uh, Javon Hargrave w- was a big pickup for the Eagles, a guy that I didn't think was going to be uh, there for the Eagles. At, at the you know he got a decent payday, but I just didn't expect them to kind of bring him in along with bringing in Darius Slay. Um, I would definitely say it's a strength. I think they've underperformed. You know Fletcher Cox doesn't have any sacks, but he does have seven pressures. That's tied for seventh, I think, among interior defensive linemen in the league. Malik Jackson is right up there with him. Not as doubt as a run defender, but he's a pretty good, pretty good pass rusher. I think as Hargrave gets healthy, you know, you'll you'll see the kind of impact that he can make. Some really high on him. So trying trying to run down the teeth of this defense is pretty tough. Now they struggled against the Rams with it because they got some terrible linebacker play. What's interesting about that game is the Eagles were making plays either at zero, you know, at the at the line of scrimmage, or at ten yards down the field. And what that tells you is either the defensive line was blowing it up. Or they were probably doing their job, but the linebackers were just getting crushed. And so that that's kind of where you can have success against this Eagles team on the ground. It's also tough because Jim Schwartz loves to load the box. Every week you see it, you go to Next Gen Stats, they have like the eight-plus man boxes that uh, running backs faced for that week. And the Eagles are routinely in the top five for, for, the, for the highest percentages. You're talking like... I'm sure Joe Mixon's going to see an eight-man box like 40% of the time, maybe 50%, uh, considering you know Joe Burrow's struggles with deep passing so far this year, and also the fact that it's they're going to give a lot of respect to uh, to Joe Mixon. So I would say it's a strength. I don't know if uh, trying to run down that strength is going to be successful for the Bengals, uh, getting themselves in some late down uh, and distance uh, situations. Uh, I would I would suggest doing what the Bengals have been good at, spreading it out five wide letting burrow you know survey the field and try to pick apart this defense of the air because the past defense is really struggling for the eagles outside of uh, darius slay yeah and you and you mentioned that the addition of, of slaying where the past defense is at uh obviously they lost malcolm jenkins in the offseason uh big big loss there so how how is this secondary looking where are the problems that they're having coming from there's a lot of communication issues with this team right now. And that kind of got really exposed with the Rams. Uh, Jim Schwartz had said that his game plan was too simple, should have made it too complex. And in turn, with all the stuff the Rams that, that were doing, it really made the guys think a lot more. So I do expect a more complex game plan, but that's tough when you have a, a secondary that, like you said, loses its you know intellectual leader in the backfield there with, with Malcolm Jenkins. And instead you put a corner, Jalen Mills, at safety, and we've seen some breakdowns there. So that's been an issue. Uh, Brian McLeod, the, the, the other safety, he's he's been solid throughout his years. Nothing special, but, you know, he doesn't really stand out as a negative ever. Uh, Darius Slay, locked down for the most part. Terry McLaurin in week one. So he's been like everything is advertised. The problem comes with, number one, those breakdowns. Also with you're playing a tiny, tiny cornerback with, I think, 29-inch arms on the outside in Avante Maddox, and he can kind of get bullied a bit. And then also, uh, Nikel Roby Coleman, who's been a solid slot cornerback in the league for for years now, struggled against his old team in the Rams. They kind of knew how to attack him, and he had a bit of a game. I think it re- really, too, if you're looking to to pass on this defense, you're you're putting the linebackers in a bind because they have shown that that they can just not get the the, the job done in coverage. So there are definitely a lot of areas of this defense to attack and ways to attack them. I would definitely avoid Darius Slay. But other than that, I mean, you're not looking at anything that's real intimidating. Is, uh, is Slay a guy who plays one side or – should we expect him to be matching up with uh, the perceived top receiver? 
I think I, Schwartz is in the offseason was open to the idea of traveling uh, uh, Slay around, and he's I think he's done a lot of that, mostly against Terry McLaurin in week one. So, yeah, I do think Slay is going to follow around the top target if there's a guy that really stands head and shoulders above the rest, and I would expect that in this game too. Well, uh, today's guest was Michael Kist. Uh, Michael, where can people follow you and your work? At Michael Kist NFL on Twitter, that's K-I-S-T, bleedinggreennation.com. Then you also put in Bleeding Green Nation into any podcast app. Uh, you can listen to that Quarterback Factory episode while we preview this matchup and talk about Wentz's woes. And then, uh, you know, go subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. We're, we had a lot of great shows on there. We're having a good time. It's building up, and uh, I think it's I think it's going to be big. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely check out the SB Nation show. I'm going to check out that that quarterback factory video uh, this afternoon as well, actually. So, yeah, uh, I, I hadn't seen that, so we'll definitely check that. out as we're preparing for this weekend. Uh, make sure you're also checking out all of our shows over at Cincy Jungle this week. I did a video talking about the Bengals' pass protection uh, for YouTube, and another one where uh, myself and Jake Liskow from Lockdown Bengals broke down some of the Bengals passing plays against the Browns. So make sure you're checking those out. And then this Sunday and every, uh, well, not every Sunday necessarily with this one Monday night game, but uh, before every game, an hour before every game, we will have the Bengals virtual tailgate and pregame show that will be live on Facebook and YouTube. So if you have not uh, checked that out yet, make sure you tune in this weekend. So, Thank you everyone for listening and who day. Yeah, we coming for sours. You hear the crowd coming for sours. Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds. Thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magirite is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva.